Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. I got my guy with me, Cam Fields. What's going on, Cam? Nothing much, Kai, man. It's glad to hear, though, that sports can conceivably come back in the not-too-distant future. And I told you they would, Cam. I told you they would. To talk about it with us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, he's the editor of our Rockets Wire site here at USA Today, Ben DeBose. What's going on, Ben? Not too much, Kai. How are y'all? I'm good, man. I mean, like, you, you're out there in Houston. <laughs> I mean, at least you get some good weather. It's still kind of cold here in Jersey. It's snowing yep. in Cleveland. I, I, I mean, like, we, we're kind of jealous of you right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's been like 75 degrees and sunny all week, and I'm the kind of guy, it sucks getting cooped up, so I enjoy getting to like go out and walk my dogs just because it's something other than the monotony of, you know, the same old, same old. If you watch the news, it feels like it's pretty much the same thing every day. Uh, If you're watching sports, it's reruns of games 10, 15 years ago, sometimes much more than that. So yeah, it's nice to at least have good weather to get out, but I'm hoping that you know, within a month or so, God, I can't believe it's only been a month. Like every time we hear about, you know, maybe in May, maybe in June, it doesn't sound that far, but then you think about it. This is what April 17th, right? Yep. Yeah. April 17th. We're barely over a month from when everything shut down. So God, I hope that it's, uh, you know, some point in May we get back to some normalcy because I'm totally ready to, uh, get out on a more permanent basis than, uh, just getting to walk the dogs for a little bit. Yeah, you have no idea how like happy I am that like you know, our the governors and you know President Trump is kind of like beginning to talk about reopening. Like like that's kind of like the one thing I'm like I'm keeping on my mind right now. We're actually talking about it now because a week ago nobody would even, was even talking about that. It wasn't even like an option. So here we are. We're also talking about reopening. So that's that's got to be a good sign. Yeah, definitely. And it's one of those things people forget just how quickly this has moved. And that's why I think any forecast, when you heard, and of course, I think we're about two weeks removed from when Brian Windhorst said there was a lot of pessimism about resuming the NBA. Well, there might have been at the time, but the pushback, I mean, think about just how much this has changed within the last month. And of course, the last month feels like a year based on everything going on. But, you know, when we shut down in mid-March, I don't think very many people thought that the NBA season would be canceled. We thought that it would be postponed for a little bit. I remember seeing a betting line of, will they play again by April 15th? And of course you should have taken no, because <laughs> I, think, I think even back then that was too <laughs> ambitious. But at the same time, then a couple of weeks later, you had all this talk that, well, you know, everything might shut down and we're not, never gonna do anything until there's a vaccine or some variation of that. That was a reach too. The bottom line, things are happening so fast. There are a lot. Of, there is a lot of work going on behind the scenes. That and there's so much money at stake, not just in sports, but for everyone's jobs. That you know, patience is a virtue. It's hard, but at the same time, you have to have some perspective. And I think expecting news every single day is a little bit much but if you give if you're willing to wait a week or two and be patient and rather than look at news on a day-by-day basis maybe look at it on a week-by-week basis you'll see yeah like we have done some good things we are getting closer unfortunately it's not going to be this weekend it's not going to be within a few days but when you take kind of the bigger picture view you can see there's definitely been progress over the last month and so hopefully that means by may and june we get more progress so that we can have sports 
Right. And speaking of sports, there is growing optimism that the NBA could return, according to a report by the athletic Sam Amick. Uh, there's just a lot of growing optimism that the league can return. Now, Cam, I've told you that I do believe the NBA will return in some type of form first week of June, whether it be workouts, whether it be training camp, whether it be games, whatever. I'm, and I'm still going to hold on to that. I think by the first week of June, we'll get some type of training camp practice, something like that. Um, I mean, I've been steadfast in saying that. So, but with this new report, Cam, and with Florida making pro sports essential and things like that, how are you feeling now? I think, yeah, there is definitely reason to feel very positive. Um, you know, sports are going, you know, are going to be coming back relatively soon. So I think that, you know, with the NBA, especially with Brian Winhorst saying, you know, the potential plan uh, being that 25-day kind of period before the games start coming back where you have that training camp, where you have those workouts so players can get back in shape. I think that's good to have, and that shows that, you know, there's the plan in place for whenever the NBA does come back. I think that, like you said, early, maybe mid-June is a good estimate of when the league will come back. Now, when it does come back, it's like, hey – how is that going to look? You know, we mentioned, you know, Las Vegas being a potential spot for playoffs and then also Orlando being a um, possible spot for playoffs as well, but no fans. So I think a playoff game with no fans, that would be a very interesting dynamic because especially you have like game seven in any round, that's a very intense game. And to have that with no fans, that would be this – just bizarre almost to see I mean that would be like totally uncharted territory you know what I kind of thought about that like let, like let's think back to last year that Kawhi Leonard shot let's just say that shot goes yeah, down and that was only in the second round fans or anything and like yeah the shot goes down and it's like nothing but the players <laughs> celebrating I think that would be absolutely <laughs> hilarious so um Ben I, I actually wanted to get your thought on this I was kind of thinking about this the other day and I was like okay, what if you had the Western Conference playoffs in Vegas and you had, like, the Eastern Conference teams in, like, Orlando? Do you think something like that could work out? Potentially. I mean, I think there is going to be some movement towards reducing the overall number. We've seen yeah. that in uh, MLB as well, talking about restarting baseball. And there's been one plan in Arizona, but there's also another thing reported by USA Today this week that they're looking at Arizona and Florida. So if you're worried about the overall number of people, and it's not just the rosters and the players, it's all the support staff that you worry about potentially quarantining or all those types of things, then if you have 15 rather than uh, 30 in a location, that makes it a little bit easier. So from that standpoint, I could see it. I agree that Florida deeming sports uh, an essential business, that's definitely a big thing. I know immediately it was about the WWE, but conceivably it could be baseball. That's already been reported. It could be the NBA at Disney World or something like that. I do think it's something to monitor because the big thing with all of this, guys, is political cover. That's why Absolutely. That's why Fauci going on the record Wednesday saying that he could see a path is so important because what these leagues are concerned about more than anything, it's liability. What happens, even if it's not likely, what happens if there's a really bad case result that happens, the worst case scenario, they need to be able to say that they're not just acting out of selfish interest in terms of millions, that they were given clearance that someone that with health expertise says that this can work. And so that's why I think that's big. Now they've mentioned the quarantine plan in one city and 
it sounds like in the NBA, most of the reports still say Vegas is the leader. But yeah, conceivably, I could see doing two just because it lowers the sheer volume. So from that standpoint, yeah, it's two different cities. But in terms of can the quarantine hold, when you're talking about cutting the number in half, then potentially that's a big deal. So yeah, that makes sense. And I'm optimistic. And the other reason why I'm optimistic, guys, let's just be honest about this. If there's no NBA, I don't see how there's baseball or football. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. And it's part of why you know, I'm optimistic because I just don't want to go to the side of basically saying there's going to be no sports, nothing until there's a vaccine, which could be 18, 24 months. That sounds pretty miserable. I, you know, I want some hope in all of this. And if it's really, if the NBA with all of its advantages, because they have the smallest rosters of all the sports, yeah. it's just five on five. And you can even, you know, you can put the coaches in the stands and do physical distancing, that type of thing. So you've got the smallest rosters. You've already got most of the season completed. You don't even necessarily have to do the regular season. You could potentially go straight to the playoffs. And right. if you do that, then you cut half the teams right there. So the NBA has those advantages. And then in terms of, well, do the players want to be away from you know, their families, real life for that long? It's only a couple of months at the most, only a couple of months for the teams that go all the way to the NBA finals. For the most part, you're talking about just four to six weeks for most of these guys, as opposed to MLB, the NFL, and the other sport, you've got to play a full season. And so you have to be ready maybe to do four or five months. And that is a bigger hurdle just from the logistics standpoint. We've heard like Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw talking about that. So if the NBA can't figure it out in a shorter time frame, there's smaller rosters. They have some sites like Vegas and Orlando that are already in place mm -hmm. they've gotten the clearance from the medical people right if the nba can't figure it out given those natural advantages i don't know how baseball or football could quite frankly if the nba and there is keep in mind you know the nba is a business it's great because that business means you can run out five-star hotels which have like the best cleaning staffs you have all these advantages you'll have access to testing in these scenarios if the nba can't if even that isn't enough to be deemed safe, then it's not just the NBA. That's where I think a lot of people on Twitter go wrong. There's a lot of pessimism because I think people say, well, whatever, it's too hard. Just scrap the NBA, but we can still do baseball, definitely football, or you know, I can just watch something else on Netflix. No, if the NBA with all these advantages still can't figure out a way to safely have its playoffs, I don't think you've got baseball. I don't think you've got football. And quite frankly, our lives are different because if the NBA can't figure it out with all of those advantages, then what about those of us that aren't able to quarantine all the time or don't have the money to do all of that? So to me, right. that's why I'm optimistic about it. It's almost like it's too big to fail, not just from the economic side, that's part of it, but also from the standpoint of, boy, if we can't figure out how to make just the NBA playoffs, basically four to eight weeks work, under these conditions, then I don't know what else we can do. So from my standpoint, it's too big to fail. They're going to figure out a way. I don't know if it's June. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's July, but at some point they'll figure it out. Well, for me, I've always said though, that like when I think it was the, the San Francisco Senator, I don't remember her name, but she was like, Oh, we're not getting football back till 2021. Is I really think that's irresponsible of somebody to say, just for the simple fact that a, it is April and football doesn't start till really if we're going to be completely honest, like midway through August, like football doesn't really start for like another four months. So, I mean, like you could totally figure something out during that time. You, and you mentioned the NBA saying we can test, we have all this hotel space, we can do physical distancing, it, we have smaller rosters. And if, you know, the NBA can definitely provide an example for other teams to kind of follow. It's going to be hard for baseball 
just because like you said, like they have to have a pretty much a full season and to like kind of have these guys away from their team, uh, excuse me, away from their families for that long, probably a lot tougher to really do. But the NBA has got, you know, literally four to six weeks to like really the NBA for the first round, they could also shorten the first round instead of making a seven games could go like five. Yep. Yep. I think that's a natural advantage. The other thing with, uh, Baseball relative to football, that's an interesting discussion because baseball doesn't have quite the TV revenue to make it work. Like the NBA playoffs, even if you're not getting the tickets sold to fans, there's enough widespread interest. The TV contracts are massive to where it's economically worthwhile. Football, obviously, and the NFL is king in terms of TV ratings. So you can make everything work from that perspective. Baseball, especially this year, ratings might be really good but certainly not to the level of the nba playoffs or the nfl at least in the regular season so they have it a little bit tougher also football you know conceivably you could just have like a 12 game season instead of 16 and all of a sudden you know you can do the whole thing in three months whereas baseball it takes a lot more time so i agree they're probably the longest shot but yeah and in terms of the um you mentioned the statements from these various um officials that are involved either in health politics or some combination of the two I think it's real important we distinguish between sports and sports without fans because I think that's where a lot of the message is getting lost on social media is that you have these guys that are talking about you can't have sports from the standpoint of they're worried about giant crowds coming together in their jurisdiction like that person in uh, Santa Clara which is home to the 49ers and a few other teams so that's what they're talking about they're worried about their jurisdiction that's their concern if they can have the teams get together and especially because if the teams get together it'll probably be like a neutral site like we're talking about vegas or orlando for the nba that's totally different yet a lot of people on social media don't really understand that difference and so that's where i think there's a little bit more pessimism than there should be because a lot of the authorities and again fauci drew the distinction i think that's big that you had fauci this week talking about how there's a safe way to do it without fans because once we draw that distinction, you can see that it becomes a lot more realistic. Now it's not easy because certainly like the quarantines, everything that goes with it, the volume of tests required, I'm not saying it's easy, but when you think about the millions of dollars that are at stake for the NBA and all professional sports, I think they'll figure it out. So yeah, to me, that's where it goes wrong. I wouldn't say necessarily that the officials are out of line because they're right from the standpoint of what they're concerned about, which is um, not putting people together in massive numbers in their county, their city, whatever it may be. But they do need to make clear, do a better job of making clear that we're just talking about sports with audiences because sports without audiences, not easy, but it's at least doable, as Fauci said. Right. And I really think that's something that like a lot of people really have kind of lost touch on. And that's why I don't talk to people on Twitter. <laughs> like, to, like, I gotta give you credit, Ben. I mean, you actually talk to to these crazy people out there. I can't. I just I ignore half my DMs and you know mentions and everything else. Like, I give you credit, dude. You actually talk to them. Yeah, I, I try just because I feel like there's so much pessimism on this issue that I think it's important. You know, I'm not going to be a homer about it. I'm not going to say that it's easy and that that this is a non-issue. No, these are very serious safety issues. And so I don't want to make it seem like that I'm just pushing back on everything. But um, at the same time, there's a lot of hysteria in which it gets blown out of proportion because at some point we've got to have a balance between safety precautions and 
trying to resume normal life. I mean, it's not just sports. As I said earlier, if you can't do the NBA under these circumstances, there's not much else that you will be able to do until there's a vaccine. And when you think back to mid-March, you know, that's not how any of this was phrased to us. It was about flattening the curve, making sure that the cases did not overwhelm the healthcare system. And so we've got to be safe. We've got to be careful. But I don't think people signed off on basically having a lockdown until there's a vaccine, which could be, right. you know, 18, 24 months. There's got to be a balance. And sports just happens to be my area of expertise. And to me, a fair way to balance it would be you can have sports, but you can do it without fans. You can do it at a neutral site. You can do these quarantines. And that's what I, I forget. One of the politicians mentioned using sports as kind of like a model for the rest of the economy of, you know, because it's high profile. Hey, this is how you can do it. That sort of thing. And yeah, that's just sort of why I try to do it. There's so many loud voices and I try not to judge them because the reality, the people that are on the other side, it's not that they're anti-sports, they're just scared. And I understand it. They're scared because, you know, there are people dying. This is a big deal. And so when people are scared, they tend to be, you know, they yell it from the mountaintops. That's a natural inclination. And I'm not judging them for that. But at the same time, you know, it's important, I think, to provide a little bit of perspective. So that's what I try and do. It's hard because once in a while, you know, you run across somebody that acts like, you know, that you're trying to put people in danger. No, it's not that. And by the way, next topic, I'm sure you guys have opinions too. My biggest pet peeve in all of this, and I think it's very, very important to make clear no one is pushing the players to do this. One of the narratives against sports without fans, and I've seen a lot more in baseball for the reasons that we laid out earlier, but you have these guys that are like, oh, do the players want this? If they don't, that's totally fine. I'm talking about the hypothetical and uh, Sam Amick, that article that you referenced yesterday in The Athletic, he mentioned that players want to go forward. They want to do this. That's important. No one is wanting these guys to be gladiators. We're not saying, and that's part of the fear, I think, you know, the fear side, you, you have them characterizing those of us that want sports as, oh, you know, you, you don't see them as people. No, if they don't want to play, they're not going to play. Just like exactly. any given season, they don't have to play. Guys can retire. Guys do retire. Or they can take a season off. Like, right. that happens. So, yeah. I mean, that's a part of life. So, in this case, the alternative is literally zero. So, that's why, you know, I kind of say, look, if somebody doesn't want to do it under these circumstances, that's totally fine. That's the right. I just don't think, unless the vast majority of players want to do it, that that should just mean, well, we don't even try. And that's where I draw the distinction. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have takes too, but that's one of my biggest pet peeves in this whole mess. No, what the players want, it is a big deal. All I'm saying is that let them make the decision. And they're not going to make the decision if there's no NBA. Let them make the decision if there's a league. Hopefully they want to come back. It sounds like, from most of the reports I've seen, that they do going to get that a lot because you know that's just kind of the way people are and, and that's honestly that's why i stay off of social media as much as i do i just i tweet whatever i gotta tweet out and then like i hop off it like i don't <laughs> I, I i really like, like it's the same thing like, like because obviously i work in philadelphia you know covering the sixers and everything philly fans are absolutely unbearable philly fans i'm sorry i love you thank you for reading my stuff i appreciate you but you guys are the most unbearable group of people i've ever been <laughs> Ever, dude, I can't deal with it. Them and when I went to Boston, like Boston and Philadelphia fans, both of them, my God, awful fan base. Um, passionate, passionate, but definitely unbearable. Um, but yeah, when it, when it comes to pessimism, I remember I, I think I, I tweeted something out yesterday. You know, took something from the Amic report and everything. 
And I think I had like three or four people be like, oh, this is a terrible plan. Sports aren't coming back till 2021. Why are you doing this? And I, I just, I can't respond to it just because like, it's like, it's like, it's so pessimistic and I'm not really about it. Well, and the other part of this, and I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier, the initial messaging not being on point with what we're seeing now, the initial messaging was about a shutdown, basically. Now it took a little bit of time, you know, initially they stopped sports, then we went into like the stay at home orders a few days after that. But yeah, at that point for this first wave when it was really peaking over the, the last month. Yeah, it was about stopping life basically to try and nip it in the bud as best we can. No one was talking about until there's a vaccine, which is 18 months away, just mm-hmm. stopping everything. And I think that's where, that's where it gets lost because everybody is looking at it through the prism of mid-March and that's not really how it is. Like the way it's actually working, okay, there's this initial phase, which thankfully we seem to be peaking and hopefully over the next few weeks we start going down but then the rest of it it's you know we're not stopping life we are trying to move on and what i think those people don't realize and i get them in my mentions too i'm like look if you can't play the nba this summer right then i don't know how you can play next year either because it's still gonna it's still most likely going to be here it's still going to be here until you have a vaccine which is probably you know 18 months seems to be the average yeah Like, like, like here's my thing and I mean, and again, like you said, Ben, I'm not trying to you know, mitigate this. This is a huge, serious health issue and everything. But I mean, e- even before the pandemic, I mean, like, did, didn't everybody kind of worry about germs kind of to begin with? I mean, I mean like, like, obviously, we had a vaccine before to kind of nip it in the bud. But we all did our best every day to make sure we wash our hands, sanitizer, don't keep your, you know, don't touch your face and things like that. Nothing's really going to change in that in that matter. The, point, yeah, the, and, the fact of the matter is, though, we eventually do have to restart life. Like, we can't just be cooped up in our house for, you know, 18, 24 months. Yeah, and proper hygiene is a big part of it. I mean, that's a, probably a blessing out of this that I think will carry on to future illnesses. People are getting much more aware of what we should and shouldn't do. Even yeah, after we goodness. get out, people people are going to be wearing masks for a little while. That will help. That's so, fine. Yeah. yeah, so people are becoming more aware, and that's a good thing. But, yeah, I just don't think that people are understanding that this is these are different phases like what we did from mid-march to mid-april is not what was proposed for the next 18 months or however long there is until there's a vaccine that those are two different things and so i think a lot of people they say well you know just punt on this nba season come back next year well no next year we're still going to be dealing with many of these same concerns that are going to be there this summer. In fact this summer might even be easier because there seems to be at least some correlation there's a debate over how much but there seems to be at least some correlation between uh heat and the virus becoming a little bit less transmissible. Right. So uh, I mean if you can't do it now it's going to be an issue next year as well. So my the way I try and respond to these people I'm like look I understand that you're afraid. This is a very serious issue. People are dying. But what I'm trying to do is kind of redirect. I'm like, look, unless you want this to shut down until there's a vaccine, which might be 2022 for all we know, then we've got to figure out a path forward, how we do things that we used to with this vaccine around. How can we do them safer? And in the case of sports, the NBA, why, do, why would we just punt it for six months from now? when we're going to be dealing with the same stuff. Why wouldn't we just try to figure it out now? 
And I think that's what the leagues are trying to do. It's not just the money. That's part of it. But it's also, it's kind of like, look, there's a chance we might have to do a lot of that same stuff a year from now. Who knows if we'll have NBA games in the 2020-2021 season like normal with fans and arenas. I hope we do. Maybe there's a breakthrough in like treatment, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, we don't know. At some point, we're probably going to have to figure out how to make the best of this situation. So why not do it now? Now, Cam, I, I, I know you, you, you've kind of just been sitting there in silence. Like, I, I'm not trying to ignore you, man. I want, I want to bring you in the conversation as well. But uh, like, like, what is your thoughts about, like, like on, on, uh, on all of this, really? Because I remember a couple of weeks ago, like a couple of podcasts that we've done. I mean, you have definitely had a lot of pessimism on like whether we can even have sports to begin with, like even have sports really return by the summer. Like, how are you feeling like now with yeah. everything? Yeah, but I mean, going back to what Ben mentioned, I mean, we were definitely in a different state of affairs when this all started. Um, right. Rudy Gobert got tested positive for it and everything started getting shut down. So, I mean, I think, um, as we've mentioned on the podcast today, you know, things have moved relatively fast within this month. And I think that, you know, there is reason to believe that sports will be coming back soon. Now, I don't think it's going to be like soon, soon, because, you know, they're talking about in Ohio, at least May 1st, you know, some things reopening, like just some. So it's got to be a very gradual um, re-entry into things, into business and enterprise and things like that. But I think that it would be good, um, you know, just for everyone's mental health, you know, if we could figure out a way to get back to regular life, because if this, you know, goes on, into the fall I don't you know I don't know how some people are going to do you know financially I mean financially the state of affairs citizens are already kind of you know on the edge even with the stimulus checks coming in but it's like hey how are we gonna and as Ben mentioned if the NBA can't do it for you know at six weeks at the most how are you gonna like reason people going back to school and people going back to work and things like that because I think with school especially you know me just coming out of college not too long ago you can get just the common cold relatively easily just because because you're around so many people and that's just the common cold flu you can get that relatively easily too I know at least each I got sick at least once all like maybe like seven out of the eight semesters I was in school, maybe like one semester I didn't get sick, but I got sick at least once the majority of my semesters I was in school. So I think that's something they got to look at in terms of, Hey, if the sports leagues can't do it, how do we justify, you know, school coming back, um, gyms reopening and other things like that coming back as well. For, but I mean, in all honesty, man, like I just I would love to just kind of, as we mentioned at the beginning of this, I would love to just kind of go sit down at a restaurant, eat or, or like go to a bar and have a drink. Like, I mean, like the whole thing is this whole thing is absolutely insane. I mean, I, I hope uh, and Cam, you mentioned May 1st. I'm hoping that like by May 1st, things can gradually, gradually begin to open up a little bit. So I'm hoping. Um, so we kind of talked about the NBA returning uh, when the NBA does return. I'm going to say when, not if when <laughs> there the you NBA go. returns uh ben both of both of the teams we cover are the sixth seed in the playoffs and if this was under any normal circumstances uh, the houston rockets would actually have to go into the mile high city to face off against the denver nuggets philly would have to go to boston uh to face off against the celtics in round one 
how, how much of a difference is this going to make for them when the playoffs do begin? Yeah, I mean, I think it's potentially a very big deal for these two teams in particular, two very talented teams that, for various reasons, injuries, chemistry, have not been over the full season where I think most people expected them to be. I think kind of the general uh, expectation for both teams was kind of, you know, two, three seeds, somewhere in there. Although it should be noted in the West, the Rockets are the sixth seed. They were like the three seed, one back of the two, literally one week before the shutdown. Then they lost four straight games, and the West is so jam-packed that they fell from three all the way to six because you have so many teams in uh, close proximity. That's just the way it is. From a Rockets perspective, a lot of fans are – Kind of like, man, why couldn't the stoppage have happened a week ago? And then you'd be, you know, the three seed. You'd feel really good uh, about where they were, how they were playing. But at the end of the day, the thing is, considering the path seems to be no fans at a neutral gym, the big problem, if you have a season like this, in which Philly and Houston, I don't know that I'd say maybe underachieved is too strong of a word, but definitely a little underwhelming, at least to the fan base. You know, the headwind is that, you're playing on the road the entire playoffs and that's pretty tough to do if you want to win a title win four straight best of seven series or even best of five if they shorten them to win a title well now all of a sudden the main drawback to being a low seed isn't really there it's just you and the other team and you you know in the case of uh both of these teams there's some some injury concerns you know the Rockets all year long they haven't played Russell Westbrook on back-to-backs Eric Gordon hasn't been right with Philly I know it's been Ben Simmons and his back you have these situations and now all of a sudden you jump to the playoffs you give these guys plenty of rest all of a sudden they look pretty pretty daunting if you're a six seed you have you know Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid or you know Russell Westbrook and James Harden and everyone else here in Houston so it's interesting to me it makes potentially for an NBA playoffs that has a lot more parity. That's what I keep coming back to because you don't have home court advantage, which is a big perk. If you're a one, a two seed, you're also not going to be in rhythm. Everyone is going to be coming off this long layoff. So in terms of how you were playing in early March, for example, the Lakers seem to be really peaking right before the hiatus. That's not really relevant because we don't know what shape everybody's going to be in, how everybody's going to put it together in such a short time frame in a, you know, a random gym in Vegas or Orlando with no fans. So, I mean, to me, there's a lot more variance, which is good if you're a team like the Sixers or the Rockets that isn't a high seed, but definitely uh, has a lot of talent. You know, I was actually talking about this. We actually talked about the Western Conference a couple weeks ago and actually brought up Houston and Denver. And I'm really high on Denver just for the simple fact, like I'm a big Nikola Jokic guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I was actually always wondering, like, how, like since Houston went, went all in on their small ball attack, trading Clint Capella, yep. making P.J. Tucker essentially the center and everything, how does Houston match up with Denver when, like, when it comes to Jokic and Paul Millsap? Yeah, that's the big question. They split one apiece um, at the end of January, which was games that Capella – or I'm trying to think. No, 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 Capella did play in those games. So, yeah, we have not seen um, – a Rockets-Nuggets game. Yeah, that's an interesting question because the big problem for Jokic against Capella and against the Rockets, that's why Denver has struggled against Houston for the most part uh, these last few years, is because he does not know what to do with Clint Capella in the pick-and-roll game. He is just not nimble enough, Jokic, that is, to keep up with um, Capella in the lob game when he has an opportunity off the pick-and-roll from usually Harden at times, Westbrook or Chris Paul a year ago. So yeah, that's a big question. Historically, the Rockets have just own Denver this generation of the teams but that was with Capella as a big difference maker now I think they went small the full-time move by 
essentially Capella for Robert Covington, I think that they believe that gives them a better shot against the Lakers, the Clippers, teams like that. But yeah, the big question is, does it come at the expense of making you a little more vulnerable against the teams like um, like Denver and Utah that historically, you know, the way you were with Clint Capella, James Harden, and one of Russell Westbrook or uh, Chris Paul, basically in your quest to be better against the LA teams, are you making yourself more vulnerable to you know, the middle of the pack West teams that previously you kind of had the upper hand on. So yeah, I think that's a fair question. And it's hard to truly say because the sample size was so small before we got the hiatus. And in fact, thinking back, yeah, we didn't get to see one Nuggets Rockets game without Capella. And do you think that Westbrook and Harden can make, can come together and really make a huge difference in a playoff series? Because obviously Harden and Westbrook are as talented as all ever, but they do have a history of, I mean, not so much Harden. I think Harden's like playoff struggles and by that in quotations have just been absolutely yeah, overblown. But... I think he's been absolutely terrific in the playoffs, but they do have. I would say all right. Hey, he's been uh, terrific in the playoffs. So. I'd I'd say, I'd say pretty good. Yeah, he's been terrific I, I mean, in the playoffs. Good, yeah, he's been terrific. So yeah, yeah. I I mean, I would say Harden in the playoffs. I mean, it's it, it's weird because I. There are definitely some games, some moments where you would like more, but the problem is that you have these two extremes. A lot of Rockets fans, and I understand why, feel he gets unfairly picked on, so they act like he's perfect. That oh, he's you know, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that he, you know, that he's been an A player. But then the problem is you have the narrative. You have guys that act like he's been, you know, a nothing, like an F. Like if I graded James Harden in the playoffs, I would give him a solid, you know, B B plus relative to his usual form. So pretty damn good. Are there some things you can nitpick? Sure. Absolutely. But by and large, it, it's overdone. I'm with you on that Kai. Um, but do you yeah, think Harden and Westbrook can like lift the team? Like right now, yeah. in these situations, do you think they can go pretty deep? Um, potentially the one question that I have, and you know, by the way, with all the, everybody knows that James Harden is not a favorite of uh, NBA Twitter. You know, it'd be so funny if of all, if, if of all the championships, they win this one, because of course, whoever wins in 2020, you know, I don't really believe in asterisk talk, but yeah, you are going to have a certain segment of people saying, well, you know, how legitimate is it? Because it's not the NBA that we're used to. I think those of us in Houston, you know, you would just love to be in a position to argue that at this point. It's it's a lot better than not winning at all. And in terms of, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, is there an asterisk or is there not? That's all in the eye of the beholder. It is what it is. Just like in the 90s, you have people arguing, well, you know, would the Rockets have won if Jordan didn't retire? That kind of thing. I mean, it it is what it is. To me, that's all in the eye of the beholder. If you're a fan, enjoy it. Don't worry about it. But yeah, Harden and Russ... To me, they can. The one big question that you have to wonder if you've followed the Rockets all year long, there's basically been like a part A and a part B to the season. And what I mean by that is until really the calendar turned to 2020, October, November, and December, Harden was amazing. Like he was every bit as dominant as he was a year ago, maybe even more. He was right up there with Giannis, top of the MVP list in terms of his statistical dominance. He was incredible. Right. But since the calendar flipped to 2020, he has not been nearly that efficient. The flip side is that the first three months of the year, 2019, Russell Westbrook was pretty good. I'm not going to say he, he was bad, but he certainly was not MVP Russell Westbrook. Right, right. Now, the flip side, when you look at just 2020, and maybe the switch to small ball helps him, he's got more room to drive, 
he has been MVP Russell Westbrook. He's been incredibly good. But the thing is, the thing about part A and part B, they have not been dominant at the same time. And you can argue, and I think this is what the Rockets hope, that it's just kind of, you know, coincidence that the first half of the season, the reason Russell wasn't dominant is because he was adjusting to a new team. He also had the offseason knee surgery, that type of thing. And then you can argue that January onward, you know, Harden hasn't been, you know, maybe he's had such a high workload. Maybe he's worn down a little bit and that the break will help him out. You can certainly argue that. But the other side of it is that you do have to wonder to some degree, is it hard for whatever reason, maybe they just start getting the touches. Is it hard for both of these guys to have their A game at the same time? So what I would answer, they have in limited, you know, you've seen certain games here and there. They've had a couple against the Celtics, for example, where they looked crazy good. My answer would be yes, they can. We've seen it in glimpses here or there throughout the year where their extra gear, what the Rockets can do, I mean, they're really, really good. Actually, we saw it against the Sixers. It was the game, uh, the very beginning of 2020, uh, Sixers came to Houston. Yeah, and they, yeah, and Harden was insane that game. That was actually the very end of uh, peak Harden that I was talking about. But yeah, the big question for them, like, like I said, you've had about two and a half months of um, Harden being MVP mode, and you've had about two months of Russell Westbrook being MVP mode, but they largely were separate. And the question is, that's going to kind of hang over them, I think, until they prove they can do it. Can you consistently have both of these guys in MVP mode at the same time, because what's happened is that you've had a couple of months of Harden with his A game, but Westbrook with kind of, you know, like a B, B plus, something like that. And then all of a sudden you had Westbrook with his A game, but Harden at B, B plus. So that's the, that's the storyline to follow is, is there something that prevents both of them from having their A game at the same time? He's Ben DuBose from Rockets Wire. Cam, before, because we're running out of time, we got to start wrapping stuff up. Cam, sorry. You can have the last word, man, because, I mean, like, it's, it's been mostly me and Ben going back and forth. I want to give you the last word today, Cam. Okay. Um, well, playoff-wise, I think it would be very interesting to see what the Rockets do because I think that they're probably the dark horse in the Western Conference but considering they have two of the you know, top five playmakers in the game in James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And so I'm going to be honest, I didn't think small ball, and I'm still not sure if small ball work on the playoffs, but clearly it does have some sort of merit for the way they play. So I think that, especially with the neutral site um, being, you know, the, the best possibility to have games back, I think that they could really make some noise in the playoffs, potentially against Denver. I'm not a big Denver believer. I think that Jamal Murray is not, very, I mean, he's good, but he's not on that playoff like level where it's like, okay, oh, you're the guy, and he's not even even. I don't even think he's even a number two guy, to be honest. Uh, and then, he has been know, he has been a number one guy in the quarantine level. Let's make sure about that. He has been the peak NBA guy in quarantine. <laughs> and then, uh, no comment on that. Uh, and then I'm gonna also say that Jokic. Hasn't um, been as good as he can be um, at times either, even though he's the best player on that team. So, yeah, I'm not totally sold on Denver. I think Houston could um, potentially beat them in a first-round matchup. Oh, Ben. Oh, man. (laughs) Sorry. When you're going at length about Jamal Murray and we haven't had any NBA activity other than that in about the last month. Sorry, somebody had to mention it. 
<laughs> Listen, Cam brings up good points. Cam brings up good points. I would just, I think I would lean more towards Denver just because of the size. And that's why I think Philly could, that, that's why I have size. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Philly, I think Philly can, is going to beat Boston too, like, like when the playoffs begin. Again, just because of the size advantage with Embiid and Horford against Boston's bigs. All right, we had a lot of fun today, guys. I mean, today, today was definitely a lot of fun. There's optimism in the air. People out there, embrace the optimism. Let's have some hope that we can get some type of normalcy back this summer. Ben, thank you a lot for taking, out, taking time you, out of your man. day to join us, man. Thank you. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me. Cam, I got to tell you, man, I'm hopping back on the 2K14 grind on NBA 2K14. So I'm going to hop on my point guard swag and, lead, and help lead the Miami Heat to a title. Not Dwayne Wade and LeBron right. James. Me, Kai Carlin, is going to do it on 2K14. That's all we have for today, guys. Make sure you check us out on Apple and Spotify and everything else, SixersWire.com as well. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on The Bell Ringer. 